Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today in the house, we have some stock picking enthusiasts. Although they started as an enthusiast, today they run probably one of the largest stock picking academy and one of the most popular stock picking websites in Singapore. They are going to share with us why they got into this space and how do they see stocks debunking some of the generational myth like the stock market is a casino and they are actually fundamental investors. So they see buying stock as buying a part of a business. So we're going to spend time today with Mr. Victor Cheng and Mr. Adam Wong from The Fifth Person to evaluate some business and of course have them share with us some of their experiences, some of the mistakes they've made and actually Victor believes that everyone should learn how to pick stocks. So this is going to be a fun discussion today. Stay all the way to the end. It is jam-packed. Good morning, everyone, and welcome you to another day with The Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today in the house, we have the guys from the fifth person, Mr. Victor Chung, Mr. Adam Wong. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, we're happy to be on the show. Um, and you know, just to share what we have with yeah. your with your listeners and you know, what insights we have and all that. Yeah, it's good stuff. And and we we've actually like me and my team, we've actually looked at your website, mm. right? And then we're like, wow, this guys must have some funding behind, huh? mm. Because the website is so curated. It's it's very well done. You know, when I look at it compared to to other sites, well, thank right? You. So uh, thank are you guys like bootstrappers or no, 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 no? no. Yeah, yeah, we're bootstrappers. So we we we've not <laughs> taken on any kind of funding. It's oh yeah, entirely just you know. Just did it on your own. Yeah. We did it on our own. You know, I think the site is is nice because of Adam. <laughs> oh, you because, do that. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I'm the editor yeah. behind the articles. Yeah. You know, I think. I think it's, I mean, design is one aspect yeah. of it, but I think the content that's mm. on the site is something that is down to the writers that we have. It's not just, you know, the job mm. of the editor, but, you know, I, I have really good writers. Um, they share really good insights. It's not just about, you know, what you can buy or what you can sell because we want to go be beneath the surface of what mm. the rationale is when you make those sort of uh, decisions. Uh, rather than just you know what's the hot tip, what's the hot stock of the month? Yeah. There's a rationale be behind investing. Why do you pick a certain stock? Why do you sell it at this time? Uh, and and there's there, there's steps that go into that. So uh, we want to educate readers along the way as they're finding out more about companies in the US, in Asia, and all that, so that they level up their own you know level of financial literacy, and not just you know rely on you know, ideas or, or tips on, along the way. They have to, you know, figure this out because it's, it's, it's all about their money. Yeah. Amen. And do you think that is like one of the biggest pitfalls that people have? Fo following tips and just looking at the charts and just randomly buying because someone said so, you know, like, you know, my friends say, ah, this one good stock, nah. you know, or my <laughs> broker call me, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of yeah. people may start off that way. I don't think everyone does. Some, some may take a more measured approach. But yeah, we do hear stories of uh, people just you know falling for 
scams. I think Victor has some stories to share as well. And uh, you know what? And because uh, I think the news makes it out that way, because you see you know um, articles coming up or like TV spots on CNBC talking about this stock that just jumped twenty <laughs> percent in the day, and and it seems like a really exciting place to make a lot of money in the stock market, mm-hmm. right? Especially when the news is good and all that. Um, but that's that's not the way it works. Um, yeah. You need a really sustainable long term approach to how you want to manage your your money and your investments and your portfolio. Because slow and steady wins the race when it comes to investing in the stock market. It's a volatile place, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So so don't listen to Kramer. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's I mean it's the five. it's ent- <laughs> entertainment. It's yeah, entertainment. Yeah. Maybe you might pick up you know certain nuggets of information that might be really useful. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, whoever it is, Kramer, Buffett, you know mm-hmm. ourselves, uh, someone else, you have to take all of that into your own, you know whatever system you're using for yourself, I mean, decide for yourself what works best for you because we can't do that for you. You, you know yourself best, what, what your goals are, what your needs, and what your risk profile is and all that. Mm. So you need, to, you need to know that first before you, you know, you know, just blindly follow anyone else, even if, you, if that guy is Warren Buffett or, you know, or some other guru. I think the issue with this, this following you know, guru blindly and it's because that, let's say for instance, Buffett bought into the airline business or maybe Lee Kassin bought into this uh, this specific uh, listed company. But to them, right, the airline business or these specific companies that Lee Kassin just bought, right, it's just only a a, percent, a small percentage of their portfolio. It may, it, may, it may be billions, but it's just a small percentage of their portfolio. So if that uh, investment didn't go, uh, gone wrong, you know, and it, it doesn't hurt their portfolio. But the thing about retail investors is that when they say that, oh, this uh, tycoon bought into this stock. So they basically put, most of the time, they put most of their money inside and when that things didn't turn out well, it really hurts their portfolio. Yeah. So that's why we always advocate that you, you, you don't follow people blindly. Even for us, we, I would say that we also do have mistakes uh, along the way in our investing. And I can tell you, it's not 100% that you will confirm it money in the stock market. The stock market is like a, you know, a jungle. You, know? you really have to dig your way through, find the right path. Right. And even though you're on the right path, you have the right system, but you still lose some money along the way. And that's where I think your portfolio sizing is very, very important and and knowing the right method. It's not like when you want to drive a car, you have to go and go through a school, learn it, and you and you are able to drive the car on the road. You don't see people just uh, without attending any driving school and just straight away go and drive a car and there will be a lot of accident out there. So same for investing. You you don't just go into investing without a license. Okay? You go and get yourself educated and and after that, you just go into the stock market and, and your method is not 100% foolproof. That you have to be confirmed. Right? You cannot be saying that, uh, if someone tells you that, oh, I never lost money in the stock market, then you, I think you probably have to run away. Mm, that's right? like a red light, right? Ding, yeah, ding, 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 ding. Correct. Because yeah. even Warren Buffett also lose money in the stock market. Mm. We also lose money in the stock market. Everybody lose stock money in the stock market. It's just that how you size your position, right? So that you got more wins than losses. And that's how you make money in the stock market. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the high flux saga was a great one where a lot of uh, retail investors just kind of like bought into the, I think it was the preferential shares, yeah. right? 6% yield and everything. And then uh, a lot of people was, I think it was in, it was the bankers, I think they were selling it. Oh, Tomasic invested in high flux. Yeah. And it's like, oh, if Tomasic bought this, it must be a good company. And it, that wasn't even true because Tomasic was, you know, in the early stages of high fluxes um, development. Yeah. Uh, when they were already list- out in 2006 out, uh, yeah they were already way before you know. out in 2006 so yeah. so that was misleading on, on one hand and on the other hand it was like 
those um, you know retail investors just didn't do their own due diligence, and they just assumed that just because a big boy, you know, is is backing this or was backing this, it should be fine, you know, and it, and it wasn't because there was a lot of uh, if you take if you took a look at the cash flow of high flux at that point in time, it was obviously burning cash, right? So maybe more savvy investors would look at that and say this is risky. Six percent is not worth it for the amount of risk I'm going to take take here. So I think that's one lesson that I think a lot of people had to, you know, stomach if they got caught in that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. and the the thing about if Tomasic also do wrong, that that investment is only a small percentage of their yeah. portfolio. If you go and see how the strategy that Tomasic has been investing, right, they don't concentrate on any stocks. They really spread out. And some stocks don't even uh, account one percent of their total portfolio. So it's so they really spread their risk out properly and and they lose. It may seems like five hundred million, like I said. But it's a small amount to them mm. compared to their portfolio size. Yeah, so that's three hundred twenty billion, right? Yeah. So five hundred million is like less than a percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. you know. At, so. the, at the end of the day, it's a lot about perspectives. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I do think for the retail people, when you hear words like five hundred million, mm. right, and then, uh, because when you size it to your own life, it's like wow, this is a lot. Yeah. Right? yeah. But when you relative it to their total portfolio, then then. Yeah, that yeah. is barely anything. I think you always have to see investment in percentage instead of the absolute amount. Even when you invest, right, you have to invest the amount. Let's say I want to invest like twenty thousand. Okay, so twenty thousand is how many percent of my portfolio, right? So that's the key thing that I feel because a lot of people when they invest, they just based on the lump sum, the absolute amount, and eventually that amount didn't turn out well. They will feel the pain, and 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 that was the moment where they lose their money, and they say that okay, the stock market is not for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I yeah. hear that a lot. Right. And it feels like a generational thing. Like yeah. my par- my parents were, were in the were in the period where the stock market was a more vibrant place. Yeah. Right. Because there's an increase in accessibility. Right. Yeah. So more and more people are in the game and then they they, they burn their money essentially, right? Yeah. Because of all the leverage trade and all the all the T minus four, those kinda yeah. those yeah. kinda those kind of stuff, right? Then then it became an information, it became like a narrative in their head that stock market is very risky, confirm lose money, and then it keeps paddling downwards in the yeah. generation, right? So every day I hear this kind of things, right? And when I first started picking my own stocks, I feel this kind of like thing going on. Like, is, yeah. it, is it really, you know, how does that work? Mm-hmm. You know, and do you guys face a lot of these kind of stuff when, when you first started? Like all these kind of narratives that are paddled down by your parents or... I think it's like what you say it's a very common thing because of the gener- generation my, my dad lose a lot of money in the stock market I mean he he, he buys based on tips my dad my dad you know he, he runs his own business they can generate cash flow so someone told him to buy this certain company he said the insider of this company told him to buy so he, he bought a large sum amount and after that the, the share price came crashing down I mean he lost about I think three to four hundred thousand on that right so so I think to them is every time you talk to the older generation, they will tell you that okay, uh, in in let's say our dialect, the Hokkien, they will say that, uh, sen pyo, that means it's play the stock market. So that's the, the 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 thing that they they have in their mind. That means stock market is a place for you to play. Actually, stock market is not a place for you to play. It's a place for you to invest. And if you can do it in a sound way, right, you can come out of the stock market successfully. So so but the thing about a lot of people is they treat the stock market like a playground, right? So that's what. I think make us worry also, and and if my father have the education of uh, investing in stock market, probably he won't lose so much money in the past. And and to my father, he said, "I'm out of the stock market now. I I'm, I'm not I'm not going to invest." Was he really disappointed in you? Yeah. Then? 
Huh? Oh, no, no, no. Now you put, now you put all his money with me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so uh, okay, okay. All his money for his. So, so that's yeah. a different, uh, different yeah. benchmark already. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, now he don't touch the stock market, but I touch yeah, it okay, for Okay, that's him. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of like you, you see, you do see this like generational gap because when you go to the AGMs in Singapore. You have your uncles and aunties, you know, they're retirees, and and the and you 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 get the feeling that uh, there's some there's some of them ask really good questions, right, about the business, the operations, what plans moving forward, but you 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 do get the the run of the mill uncle asking about my dividend, how come my share price went down, stuff like that, and and these are, these are probably the the generation that maybe they just weren't as savvy. And maybe because the information wasn't uh, easily available in the past, so uh, you get people like that, lah. But um, I think, like I said, now there's a lot more information now. The younger generation, they 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 are more savvy. They go online, they look for information, they compare credit cards and stuff like that. They have, you know, everything's online. So uh, I think people are more educated about what the stock market is. It's not really no longer a place. It's not no no longer. Glorified casino, right? Some people treat it treat it that way. Right? Yes. Um, so and they they they're more measured in their approach. Yeah. And yeah. then you see the younger ones nowadays when they when they go to a meeting, they really take the time to study the annual report or certain portions of it, and ask questions that you know they have doubts about, and they, they want to clear that up rather than say oh, why is my dividend falling or you know stuff like that. Uh, so it's good to see because I think that overall raises the standard of you know what we're building in Singapore. You know, you, you get really good questions in the US AGMs. People that are really serious about the business, they 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 reached a point where they're not just no longer just talking about business. They're talking about civil rights, you know, human rights with regards to the business as well. And, I, and to me, that was like beyond. I mean, I wasn't as interested because maybe I'm still where I am today. <laughs> still a capitalist. <laughs> still a capitalist. Yeah. You know, but they were really okay. focused on those issues in the US AGMs as well. And I yeah. was like, oh, maybe you know, we still have a, a way to go uh, when it comes to our, our business uh, culture here. And I think I, I get why they are very concerned about these kind of like go green yeah. or like civil stuff. Yeah. Because the consumer there are very inclined in such a direction, right? Mm. So then it will then affect a lot of purchasing habits and you know yeah. it, it goes forward from there but maybe like what you said like consumers here are still like oh cheap and good lah, right then, yeah, then I, th- I think <laughs> we're in, a, in, a, in a sense we're still very a very pragmatic bunch yes, um, yes. you know but over there I think in the west they care more for these social issues and and I've seen I've gone through a number of AGMs where they bring up all these social issues and the, the directors of, like, say, Facebook or Google say, okay, we're against this resolution because of this and this. So basically, all the civil issues that they bring up is going to be, is basically going to be downvoted. But they still care about bringing it up because they want to have a voice to these things. Even though they know it's not going to be passed, they want to bring it up. They want to have a voice. So I think that's something that we don't really have over here where, you know, people are not so comfortable putting a voice for certain issues you know because over there it's like, I, I just want to say it out even if I know it's not going to get voted through I want to make a point about it and let people know that I'm making a point about this and that, that's it yeah yeah I, I totally get that and maybe someday we'll, we'll yeah, be there right yeah. someday we'll be there we, we never know but on the point that you guys were saying about a lot of information these days Right, mm-hmm. so now in the world of internet, then you know everybody with a microphone like us, we could just live yeah. and chat and talk. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do you think there is information overload? Right, there's just too much information out there that it makes it it becomes another problem. 
yep. right? Of how do you then, you know, filter these information? Yeah, that's why having a process and a system is so important uh, when it comes to investing. You need to know what you're looking for, what type of stocks you're looking at, what fits your, like I said, your investment goals, what fits your risk profile. And, and then running through a system where you have your own criteria about whether this stock is suitable in the end for you, uh, that's very important because you need that framework. Without that framework, you're going to get pulled all sorts of places, you know. Because maybe, if, for example, if you are a dividend guy, you want to have passive income and all that, you want to build that for your retirement 30 years down the road, you, want, you should invest in a particular way, right? But if you don't have that framework for yourself and you don't understand what you actually want, then someone's going to say Netflix is a great stock. Yeah, Netflix could be a great stock, but it may not fit someone who wasn't invested for, for dividends. So then, but then if you if you don't have a framework, you just you, you get pulled in direction. You invest in, in in Netflix, it goes up 100%. You're over the moon the next day, it goes down 50% because it's, it can be really volatile, right? And then you're going, what happened? And then you get you know you get scared or you 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 make all sorts of emotional decisions that could get your investments in, 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 in deeper water and all that. So that's so important to have that system for yourself before that gives you that direction before you actually start investing. Nice. What about some of these mistakes that you guys have made like along the way when you first started? You know, just some interesting stuff. I think that uh, it depends on your personal experience but my for my experience is that uh, in my early years when I just started out I'm very a number focused person okay so so there's a lot of companies especially in Asia so their numbers are very beautiful but actually there's a lot of related party transaction in Asia right so especially if you want to invest in Asia right, you have to really focus on the business and the management instead of the numbers because my understanding is that if the company have very good management have very good business right? the numbers are naturally very beautiful already so so because I, I remember I got all this uh, Hong Kong company that uh, that when I was still managing, managing the fund I, I actually made the call to purchase it so this company have very very beautiful numbers increasing revenue increasing net profit uh, increasing uh, dividend and also the ROE is also very high very beautiful numbers a shoe company so we invested in it but within six months uh, the company actually drop about I think 40% right and why they drop is because their cash position suddenly decreased by more than 40% right so 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 if you really look into the business and and the management of this company right you may not want to invest in this company even though the number is very useful firstly is because they are in a very very comparative uh, space right so I, I didn't I really invest them based on numbers I didn't really go down to look at that until I think two years later where I went to meet the management, I, I feel a bit not comfortable. This is the first thing. Second, I went to visit all their stores in China. So, and I, when I when the moment I step into the stores, right, you can see that, especially on the street where all their competitors are there. So when you step in, suddenly a lot of the, the Chinese start, sales staff will start running to you. Oh, zeko, 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 and just like trying to rush you to buy. No? And you go to every store, they are like that. So it's, it's very, very competitive uh, in this business. If I have known, if I've been on the ground, and if I've seen the management, I probably wouldn't have invested even though this company have very, very beautiful numbers. Mm. Right? So that's the thing about uh, investing in Asian markets. It's, it's, it's quite a messy jungle, but you have to really puff your way through. You know? mm. Yeah, I think the business is the most important aspect of investing. Because that's what you're investing in anyway, businesses, right? But a lot of people, 
I kind of forget that and they invest in this, the they investing in this stock symbol. The ticker, right? The ticker symbol yeah. that could go up 10% today mm. and then 20% tomorrow. And then they might go a step further and say, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm actually not just looking at the ticker symbol. I'm actually looking at the profit and the revenue. You know, like, like Victor was saying, all the numbers. Um, but numbers are just a means to an end. They tell you a particular story of how this company is performing. But why do they perform this way? What made the revenue go up this year and the next? Why did it go down the next? You know, why is profit doing so well? Why do I have so much debt? So the, the numbers will leave clues for you to go and find out what's happening the last five, 10 years. And you need to go find out what's happening. What's the story behind this company so that uh, you know what you're getting into. It's kind of like dating somebody. Like you need to understand what's, what's with this person, what's with the history, what their habits, what their likes, you know, what they tend to do. Same thing with a stock. Um, in some ways, okay. Uh, I'm not saying like stopping people are the same. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, business, the business really, really is really, really important. So my biggest mistake was actually during the financial crisis in 2008. I thought I was doing value investing by investing in uh, Citigroup, right? And at one point at, the, at its peak, it was at $60 per share. And I went in at $30 per share. So it was like 50% down from its peak. And you got to remember during the financial crisis, the overall market... Uh, crashed by 56%. So if Citigroup is, you know, went down by 50%, you think it's like maybe it's at the bottom or something like that. So you know what? I thought like, you know, this is a business is not gonna not gonna go bankrupt. You still see Citibanks everywhere, right? It's, it's one of the biggest banks in the world. So they're gonna be around after the crisis, and it's true they're still around after the crisis. But I really didn't understand the business. I really didn't understand the assets on his books, all the toxic uh, assets that they had. They they had to just right away, you know, one fell swoop and basically. You look at the share price now; it's never recovered to its peak in two thousand eight. You know, so that was that was an expensive mistake for me. But and I realized that a little bit of information, I mean, no information is bad, but a little bit of information can be really dangerous as well because you think you're doing something well, but then actually you you, you have a lot of gaps, and then you know, and then you, you kind of like screw things up, yeah. like I did, and then you realize, oh, I need to know so much more before I actually invest. So I realized that yeah, I need to actually like go level up my, my skills and, and really figure out how this thing works and then then you start investing yeah sounds like yeah. the SIA of today right <laughs> <laughs> the Citigroup 08 is the SIA of today oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. airlines have always been so so, yeah. so it's, competitive it's, <laughs> the airlines are very, very cutthroat I think yeah. the airlines are very bad business yeah yeah. I mean first firstly is you know your, your consumer that comes to you they always fight by they always go to the cheapest air ticket right so so this is first thing it's very competitive really Second is if you are very you are in a competitive a uh, very competitive space, right? Your competitor must die. But the thing about airline business is your competitor never die. Every time when they go bankrupt, right? Somebody will go and build them out. You look at Malaysia airline, they <laughs> die so many times. Japan airline also die a lot of time, but still come back. You know, so so you are so basically you are driving a Ferrari in a very bad traffic jam, and no matter how you drive, right? There's always car blocking you, right? So that's what happened in the airline industry, and on top of that, they have to. Every year when they generate the profit, they have to consistently spend on the capex to refurbish the or buy a new planes, you know. And this really eat up to the their cash flow, free cash flow, you know. So I think generally airline business is very tough and I don't really want to be in it. And and when Buffett bought into it, I was like quite shocked, you know, why did he bought into airline business? But to be honest, the US airline business are generally much more profitable because I think they fly within their states and and there's less tax and costs. And that's why they are profitable by compared to the Asian airlines because they go through different countries, you know, and that's where it makes it more 
higher cost and also the fewer that can affect them. But then I still, then again, I still don't really like the airline business. Yeah. 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 I think Buffett invested in the US airlines. He invested in three of them, right? Yeah. All four of them. I All think. four, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mainly because there was basically a olig- uh, oligarchy. Uh, yeah. Oligopoly, actually. Um, not oligarchy. <laughs> oligopoly. That, it's kind of like oligarchy in that sense. <laughs> yeah, olig- oligopoly within the domestic US market. Mm. So he wanted to, you know, basically buy up all four. And uh, uh, in that sense, he, he made, I mean, pre-COVID, that made a lot of sense because he likes to invest in in uh, industries where, you know, uh, but a handful of companies have you know, taken a really dominant position and there's really nowhere else you can go. So if you know, he invested in all four of them, it was kind of like that because it's an oligopoly in a sense. But then, of course, the pandemic came and changed the entire picture. So he got out of it. Uh, and credit to the guy because he, he, he realized that he made a mistake. Uh, I mean, of course, now you can say he, he prices have gone up again, right? So he, he, he didn't, he shouldn't have sold so early <laughs> or something like that. But then he's, he's basing it on a business decision. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, credit to the guy. So, you know, he made a mistake in, according to his uh, investment thesis and then, Boom, you get out and then you redeploy your capital somewhere else. Now let us take a break. We hope you're enjoying yourself so far because we definitely are and we will be back with you after a word from our sponsor. You know, when, when I when I look at it, I think, I, I agree with you guys, like there's too many people following all these gurus. Right? Essentially, it's, it's blind following, like blindly following insider information or tips or gurus, all this kind of stuff. But there's also another bunch of people that I think needs to be addressed, which are those that like are just trying too hard to numberfy everything, right? Mm-hmm. To to make it feel like it is manageable, right? Like everything is predictable, mm-hmm. right? It feels like people are not willing to accept that in the market or in business, there will definitely be uncertainty. There's definitely some level of art, right? It's not mm-hmm. all science, yeah. right? And what what do you say to because, these kind of well, these kind of people? Um, you know, because when I look at it, it's like if there's too many caveats mm-hmm. in, in this model that they built to try to understand this company, but then there's like, oh, we assume this, assume that, assume that. So when there's too many assumptions, then this thing is as good as, as yeah. bad. Right? I mean, a model can only be as accurate as the amount of, uh, you know, elements you put into it to try and, you know, capture the the real world as much as possible. But the, the real world, the business world, the stock market is an infinite game. You have new things coming in from anywhere else. You don't know what's going to happen. No one, no one, almost no one could predict that COVID nineteen was going to happen, except for Bill Gates five years ago, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's no one knew. So this, that's the thing when it comes to investing. You're not investing in, uh, you know, not, you're not playing a game with numbers and like and all that sort of thing. You're re- investing in the real world, in real world businesses, with real world operations that affect real people out there. So you got to take that into account. Uh, and things can can just happen in the business world. It just changes paradigms, changes things completely. Uh, same thing when you invest in the stock market. It's not just the stock. The stock price is a function of people's emotions, right? Sentiment and all that. If you can't predict your the mood of your wife tomorrow, how are you going to predict? You know the mood of like millions of people everywhere around the world when it comes to investing. And, and the stock. assumption is you can't, right? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you can't, right? I can't predict my mood tomorrow uh, yes, myself, yes, right? Yes, I yes. think, I probably think I'm going to be fine. Mm. But, you know, maybe I, I step on a, a piece of doo-doo and like, what the hell, right? <laughs> I get a bad day, <laughs> you know, for the rest of the time. But you see, that's the thing. You can't predict human emotions uh, in the short term. You know, day to day, you don't know what's gonna, how you're going to feel. 
overall, yeah, you know, overall, you know, a certain person has a certain disposition. They're generally happy, but everyone's going to have bad days along the way. So it's kind of like the stock market. You know, people say the stock market is going to grow up over the long term, in general. Okay, yeah, but then day to day, you don't know. So you got to take that into account. Make sure you 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 understand what level of risk you're comfortable with, and then you like Victor was saying, you know, put position size so that you don't like, expose yourself too much in one particular position. If not, if that goes wrong, then you got to restart all over again. That's going to be really, really, really painful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, we've all had some experiences. Yeah. But knowing what you guys know, right? Like, you're managing your own money, you're managing your family's money, and with all these kind of experiences and knowledge that you have, I'm just kind of curious, why are you in this whole course space, right? Building courses and being this training arena right because how, how I look at it is there's just a lot of noise and you know there's a lot of for like a better way to put it a lot of fake gurus out there right so yeah yeah in this space that is quite quite noisy yeah right okay. so yeah. so I was just kind of curious why are you guys still willing to do it and you know take this path of building programs I I think the thing is that uh we didn't really actually come to this actually. We uh, like I told you, we, we actually thought of just sharing free stuff on, online, you know. And after sharing for for quite some time, people start asking us for courses and, and we just build it from there. I think I think I I'm not saying that all these gurus are bad. There's of course some very genuine people out, out there and and it's just that we just do what we think is right, you know, keeping the the cost fee low so that you know everybody have a chance to to really learn investing but of course we also have our things to fit on our side i mean we have staff we have employee to feed we have renter to pay so we cannot really totally give 100 percent free okay but but we we think what is reasonable that we want to give out so that's why we keep the cost fee low and and i know there's a lot of negativity over all this so that's why our approach is never always to you know to talk about returns or what is my approach is always to you know share about what we know uh, and we, ne- we never you know like you know force sell people anything we just tell you this is the thing that we have you want you take it right? we don't tell you you know you can rush your table to over there and, and go and sign up by now if you don't sign up now okay you you, you know you're going to get out with a discount you cannot get out of this room you have to sign up the course and all this we don't we don't do that I think I think it's, it's nat- naturally wrong we usually uh, let people decide and and to be honest, if sometimes I feel that the person is not ready, I usually will tell them that I think you should get your finance fixed first before you even come and learn about investing. Because a lot of people they are they treat the stock market like a, like Adam says like a casino and they, they keep thinking about the gain. But you should not go into the stock market thinking about the gain. You should go to the stock market and thinking how do you reduce your losses? Right? You come from a, a, a inverted way of thinking, you know. You want to protect your downside not always looking at your upside. If I keep protecting my downside, right, and I go in every uh, company in a very high probability way, so that means I know that, okay, I invest in this company right now, it fits all the criteria, it's very high probability, my risk is very low, right? You may miss out, okay? You may lose on some, but overall, your probability will hit eventually. So that's the way you should go into the stock market. Instead of going to the stock market, uh, looking at, you know, uh, like it's very, a place that I want to gain money. Right, so that's what happened to certain people. Like I said, their personal finance is not strong, and they want to go in the the stock market. They have debts. They got housing loan. They got credit card bills to pay or credit card debt that they they balloon up. You know, and my take is that uh, these people should not even invest. 
they should get their finance right first. Because if your finance is not right, you got no right to invest in the stock market. Right? It's because it's going to be very dangerous. Because every time you start investing any of your money in the stock, you will every day, right, you'll glue your eye right, to the stock price. <laughs> because yes, that's yes. the only money that you have. Yes. Right? You cannot do that. Right? <laughs> so when you invest in the stock market, right, the money you invest right, is the money that you do not need for the next 10 to 20 years. Mm. Right? It's excess money and you can afford to lose one. Right? So then you will do well in the stock market. But if you invest your children education, your house, your the money to buy a new house, then you won't you won't invest in a very very uh, safe way. You will invest in trying to make more money out of that, and and every time if that investment goes down fifty percent, like I said, you will glue to the stock price again. <laughs> it's a cycle. Yeah. Right. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think when it comes to investing, it's kind of like, you know, we were saying just just now, just like driving a car. To learn how to drive a car, you need to learn how to work the gas, the pedals, the brakes, turn on, turn on, turn on the engine, the steer, everything. But knowing how to use a car is very different from knowing how to drive a car. Because if you know how to use a car, yeah, you can step on the pedal and you can go straight, you can turn left and right. But if you don't have your mindset put on right and you're a risky driver, you're going to get into an accident. So same thing with when it comes to investing. Doesn't mean that you know how to read a financial statement, you know what the ratios are. Doesn't mean you know how to invest. You just know how to read those statements. But the, the psychology that comes behind, you know, being a long-term successful investor is really knowing like knowing how to drive a car safely to get you from point A to B. Right. So you know if you're a safe driver, you look out for, you know, other other commuters, you look out for the traffic lights, you understand the conditions around the road so you don't take unnecessary risks, you don't get accidents and all that. Same thing when it comes to investing. You got to understand the situation around you. What kind of businesses do you want to get into and all that, and then you drive that way. You invest that way. So a lot of times, skills and the and the psychology are two different things, and people get caught up in the skills and all that, and then they, they apply those skills in a way that's very risky. Like like Victor was, uh, was saying that, oh, I want to like double my money in the next year or so. You know, I want to invest in this company. It seems like it's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> And then by then you forget about protecting protecting your downside, you know, and and if you just one wrong move, bam, you like you, you hit you really hard. You get into an accident, you know, like like a real life car accident, yeah. and it's, it's that's true. Not, yeah, you don't want to you don't you don't want to get into that. Yeah. Yes, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that whenever you lose fifty percent, you're gonna make a hundred percent back. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's a great stat. And another one I ask is like, if you lose seventy percent, how much do you need to make back? Wait, is that 300%? Or yeah, about 277%, yeah, about, right? Yeah, about yeah. three times. So that's crazy. Yes. You know, you think, it's, oh, I just got to make 70% back. No, no. bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make almost three times your money back yes. just to get back to where you were. So yeah. Buffett's like famous quote about don't forget rule one and two is very pertinent. Yeah, yeah you got to know. Sometimes one Buffett's quote may be very simple, but probably it takes you like 10 years or 20 years to understand what you're trying to say. You know? mm, yeah. I mean, like, like I think he got this famous quote is uh, it's far better to invest in a 
wonderful company at fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. Okay, this is very simple quote. Okay, and I think everybody read this quote, they really understand it. But to really apply the exact same same method, right? It took me, I think, ten years to understand. You know, that okay, this quote really works. You know, because after so many years of investing, I realized those companies that I bought, the wonderful companies that I don't pay at a very cheap price, I pay at a fair price, turn out be the 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 best companies that you you know you can it's better than those that you pay at a fair price and you buy your margin of safety. So so like I say, if you don't go through the experience, you will never understand this code. But if you go through the experience, you understand this code and that's where your in investing style change. But of course you can learn your experience from somebody else. I, I get it man. Like yeah. there's so much talk about margin of safety, yeah. right? Buying it cheap, yeah. you know, undervalued, yeah. da da da. But honestly good companies rarely come cheap yeah. at least in my experience yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, 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 it's like um, I think Starbucks right? I, yeah. mean, I, I want to buy Starbucks for a long period of time and I was like well this is very expensive ah, this thing ah, I'm waiting for you to come down but it never comes down yeah. right? and, and then the new CEO came in the tech got rolled out and then revenue flew prices flew and I thought like, oh okay maybe that's all and then when it came down <laughs> it was during the during COVID-19 and yes, then you're yes. like shit should I invest yes yeah. yes because yes, yes, exactly. like, no more stores are all closed yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's yeah it's tough you know because mm -hmm. it, it, it will take uh, a, little, a bit of a uh, confidence yeah. to yes. to invest right in the height of that pandemic when you know China and the China stores and the US stores were all closed yeah. but you know it's, the share price has gone up again yeah it's gone <laughs> up again right so, so investing is is uh, takes, takes some guts guts yeah. takes a bit of uh, making a measured you know risks and you know making yeah. a you know, but I think it's to have a proper system yeah, proper like, system. like we have a proper system I mean we have a a proper system where we have the companies you know the valuations or on this Excel, you know? so when the price change, it can reflect. So we just purchase the company based on the, like hit this price we buy, hit this price we buy, you know. Mm. So we take our emotion out. We just focus on the system, and it turned out well. I mean, you have to really take your emotion out investing. If you, if you are a very emotional person, right, that anything can, if you invest, if the stock price move up, move down, you can affect your mood. My take is don't invest in the stock market. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. very, very hard. Your spouse is going to have a hard, hard time yeah, with yeah. that's all. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like those uh, hardcore football fans. All oh, right, my team won. Oh, yeah, my team lost. What the hell? Yeah, people like that. Yeah. I'm not a hardcore football fan, but I've met those kind of people. Oh, really? Right? It's like, after a good day, it's like, why are you so happy today? Because Liverpool won. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why are you so yeah. sad? Oh, because we lost. So I was like, bro, you're not even there. <laughs> yeah, you're not from Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, yeah. it's not Tampines Rovers. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Rovers. So, so yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And yeah. It sounds like you guys have, have done so much over over the course of so many years, right? Yeah. At what point in time did you recognize that, okay, this thing is legit and I can actually make a living out of investing, right? That, that made you decide to, okay, we focus on this. Right? At what point, you know, do you realize, okay, maybe this can really be something? Mm. I don't think there's any particular uh, yeah. point. I think that we've always, we always feel that we we can there's so much more to learn even at this point yeah. right now when we're managing managing maybe like a seven figure portfolio and all that you know it's like we're still so much more to learn uh there's so much more that we can improve in this the 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 thing is like you don't know what you don't know right so there's the things that you didn't realize about the way you you, you know, analyze a certain stock or stuff like that they say oh yeah I didn't I didn't know about that uh was there a particular point um I don't think so I, I mean yeah we're just always yeah. improving you know just like yeah, you, grow, you grow from small you grow a bit bigger 
you make losses along the way, you have wins along the way, and then say, like, oh, I didn't know about this. Mm. Sometimes it's some of your some of your winning stocks is like, oh, you know, I, I it's not always your mistakes, your your losing stocks give you the insights. Sometimes the winning stocks give you insights as well. And we just improve along the way. Yeah. yeah. For me I think it's more of a passion. I, I think I I can really eat, sleep and drink investing. Right. So I cannot imagine not doing investing. So that's the thing for me. And other than doing investing, I really don't know what I, I, I want to do because I, I, I've been to many jobs. I, I, I was previously not in the finance industry. I was working sales in a polymer industry, plastic industry. And I was so bored. I, I don't Sounds boring. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's very boring. It's really very boring. And, and, and the thing is, I spend my free time at work reading and report. So then I know that, you know, okay, maybe that, that, Investing is really what I want to mm, want yeah. to do, you know. So, so then that that's how after that I just just keep focusing on investing, and it it, it did turn out well. I think you if you follow your passion, and your passion do pays you well, then it worth spending your your full time on the passion itself. Yeah, I think if you ask me, if like you for a general sense, how do you know when it's working for you, right? I think uh, I would say that let's say I would I would give myself a minimum of let's say five years. And during these five years when I've been investing, and you've been investing in a way that you've been really disciplined and you've been sticking to your system, and you've been investing based on these principles, and you've been doing it consistently for the last five years. And over this period, you see that, you know, um, my portfolio has really grown. I've not been investing and making it because I was lucky, uh, because I was taking a punt, I was speculating. You know, if you invest that way, you don't really know if you're actually going to be successful over the long term. But if you're investing in a way that's very, you know, uh, systematic, systematic, you're prudent, you you take conservative risks, and you make decisions that way, and then you see your portfolio bearing results in that in that sort of way. I think, I think after five years, you will probably think, yeah, I think I got this down because you've been sticking to that for five years. You can probably stick to that for like another five years, and you know what you're doing. You're not taking no mindless bets so I think minimum of five years is, is a good enough you know to tell whether you're doing it right in a way yeah mm. so I would give that that sort of a general guideline yeah cool so I think at this point in time the the playing field looks like it's changing right the interest rates are going to stay really low and uh, there'll be a lot of money flowing in and it looks like there's a, some sort of dissonance between financial market and the real economy I find that may go for another few years, mm-hmm. but does it change your way of investing? Do you do you reference because there's a lot of way to invest, right? Some mm-hmm. people are more macro trends. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys are you you, you mm-hmm. pick your own stocks, so you're yeah. not you're not really interested in like how the indexes move, yeah. right? But does that actually like this kind of macro changes? Is it gonna affect how you're gonna decide on the companies you pick? I think it will not affect us because we are actually a very bottom up approach. Uh, investor, so we we just focusly primarily on the the company itself, the business, the their mode, their management, and the how long is their run runway. I mean, as long as their runway is continue to be be there, we will continue to be invested in this company. All right, I don't want to. I mean, what another mistake that I also learned throughout the years is because uh, there was this one company in Malaysia called Hatalega. It's a glove company. We bought. Uh, we went up. Uh, we bought a, a small stake. Uh, the company doubled up, and we invest a bigger stake when it doubled up. And after that, it, the stock I think went up about seventy percent, right? So uh, and and at that point of time, the this company growth was like I think twenty over percent, 
expected growth, but their PE was traded like 30 over time. So I was thinking that oh, maybe this company is a bit more expensive, right? So we sold it. But since then, the company from the purchase price we sold, right? It went up about five to six times from the price we sold. And of course, the recent COVID, it went up even further. Probably we will hit eight times or nine times returns, right? From, from this investment. So this one thing I, I learned is that uh, if you come from a bottom-up approach, you invest in a good company, you don't care what's the sound in the, the market. As long as the company is doing well, the runway is still very long, right? The management is still intact, it's still good. Just stay invested all the way. Doesn't mean it's expensive, you should sell. Sometimes expensive company can become more expensive, right? And that's what happened to Hatalega right now. Yeah, I right? think that's an example of a winner. We made money in that stock, right? Yeah. But we learned something, yeah. you know? We said, oh, we should have held on to that company even longer, it's a, good, it's a great company. So, um, in general, we don't look at economic cycles and use that to try to predict where the market's going to go. I think no one can do it, do that accurately 100% all the time, you know? So, economic cycles are part and parcel of, like, a capitalistic system, right? You have your booms and your busts. Uh, and we, we still do the bottoms-up approach. But on a, on a, if you're asking me if we do look at a macro level, we do look at it from, let's say, you, you kind of understand where the structural changes are going to happen, where the trends mm -hmm. are going to go you can tell that e-commerce is gonna grow even bigger from where it is right now. Uh, you can see that, you know, cloud, the cloud industry and, you know, moving everything online, the data centers, all that, that's gonna be a growth industry. So you can kind of see these structural changes yourself as a consumer. And these, these, this is, you know, this is the, the, the direction where the world is going. And then you can look for ideas within those areas. And then of course you still use the bottoms up approach to pick the best companies. Yeah within those areas. So like Hatalega was in uh, gloves, right? Glove industry. So that would, that industry on its whole was a growing industry. Yeah, so we, we just can't predict, you know, whether it's going to be a COVID yeah. or a financial crisis or it's going to be an economic bust or whatever. But, you know, as a whole, you can see yeah. where the trends are going. I remember we bought Hatalega at around 14 times PE. Now it's like 90 over time, you know. You <laughs> <laughs> can imagine, and the business profit have grown, huh? <laughs> so you can imagine how much we have lost after we sold Hatalega. I had the same thing with Netflix. I invested, I, I made about, I was about to say Netflix. Netflix yeah. Right? yeah. Mm. So again, that's a great industry where people are cutting the cords and they're moving to OTT entertainment and all that. So Netflix is right smack in the industry. And it's a structural change. You see people just not subscribing to cable, cable anymore and they're going to go to Disney Plus and all this stuff. So I, I made about 200% returns on Netflix. It was a great investment, right? But but if I held on longer, I made even more because Netflix has really, really gone up. And I, I sold for the same reason. I thought Netflix was just too expensive. The PE was really high. I didn't like the amount of debt that they had uh, and they still have and all that. So, and they were burning a lot of cash. Uh, so it was just, it didn't fit my risk profile if I wanted to justify it to myself, right? But yeah, that was one, one example of a company that if I held on longer, I could have made a lot more money. Yeah. But you know, sometimes you gotta just pick and choose the type of companies that you're comfortable with. I wasn't with comfortable with Netflix at that point in time. But they're right they're they're right in the middle of a great industry that's gonna grow in the next five, ten years. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna continue to grow. It's gonna continue, yeah. 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 It, it's gonna be interesting. And and on, on the cloud, right? Actually yeah. on what you what you're talking about, like actually is already showing in a lot of the rental spaces mm -hmm. right so in the cloud the cloud rental space mm -hmm. um all the racks the the, the rental prices are going up mm -hmm. so a lot of these guys are recognizing a lot of the, the data center providers right yeah. a lot of hardware providers they are recognizing you know the increased demand so it's re, it's getting reflected in a lot of these uh, 
how 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 much they rent lor. Right? Yeah. So it's probably yeah. gonna reflect in. It's gonna be it's gonna be accelerated because of yeah. COVID, right? Because yeah. now we have telecommunication. I mean, video conferencing and all that. Yeah, man. So and then you realize that if you're gonna do it, go in the cloud, then cybersecurity becomes very very important mm. because if you have all your data online, it, it needs to be secure. So then you you go into that in that sub industry as well, you know, or maybe a, a sister industry where uh, cybersecurity is something you want to look at as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of people who choose uh you know cloud providers, they want someone who's reputable, they make sure they have systems that can really protect the data. Uh, so Google is in this uh, area, uh, Amazon is a pioneer, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Microsoft is in this area as well. So all these big companies, you know, really growing in this cloud area and you know, there's another, another uh, area you can go you know, find your investment ideas. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting, very interesting space, right? yeah. all yeah. the way from the, from the semicons, the hardwares, all mm. the way to the space, to the softwares, everything. Yeah. But it's a complex. It's complex. complex. You really space. need to uh, take your time to yeah, understand. It's, it. yeah. it's not like buying Starbucks, right? Yeah. You, you yeah, don't correct. you don't yeah, have yeah. real interaction day to day. Correct. Right. Yeah. So so these are some of the sectors that you really gotta really gotta work hard to understand. Yeah, it. I think yeah. I think it's a good point you brought up because mm. you know even though it's a growing industry, it doesn't mean you gotta jump in. Yeah. You need to understand what you're yeah. jumping into as well. Yeah. Because uh, it's not yeah everyone can say yeah cloud is gonna grow but how do you know that the per, the, the particular that particular company, yeah, company the is, is gonna buy, is gonna right? remain you know yeah. competitive yeah. five years down the road yes. and you need some you know expertise in the area to decide and you know tell whether that's gonna happen yes yeah. yes like um, Apple just announced that they're gonna build their own chips right? yeah, okay. so they're gonna yeah. they're gonna directly get. They're gonna cut Intel off. They're gonna cut AMD off, and yeah. you know and that, that will change the game also, yeah, right? In the yeah, chip yeah. space, yeah, yeah. which is very intertwined in the whole, you know, cloud space, yeah. you know, today, right? So, so think of it how you would think, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would be very interested to hear from you guys. Uh, when do you sell? All right, because you know everybody talks about buy, buy, buy. What price to buy? Blah blah blah. Okay. But nobody tells me about. So when do I sell? Right, under what situation? Will you sell? I think we only sell when we make a mistake in the company. I think I think we don't sell a winner. That's one thing I learned throughout this uh, ten years of investing. You don't sell your winner. You keep holding your winner as long as your winner is still in the long run race. You don't sell it, okay? But you sell your loser, okay? Because your loser, there's high probability will continue to be a loser the next ten years, right? But it may be painful. But but imagine if you lost fifty percent in this company. And you take the whatever you lost and you invest in another winner that give you maybe another uh, two times, three times, you already make back your money, mm. right? If, but if you continue hold on to the loser, right? 10 years down the road, you'll still be a loser, right? So the first thing is you fundamentally, you judge the company wrongly, right? So maybe you thought the business would turn out this way, but actually the business is a very tough business, right? You sell off the company. And... And I think probably the another time when you really have to sell is because somebody want to buy out your company. <laughs> you got no choice. Then. Yeah, you got no choice. You have to sell it. <laughs> you got to sell. Right. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the key is always if you realize that the initial in thesis that you choose to invest in this company have already shifted, right? Then I think you have to really sell the company. Okay. Because you, uh, every time I come in the point of view is right. Uh, in the initial years, I always want to invest in the company. Uh, and I want to think, thought of make money. But as the years goes by, right, I thought of like investing the company based on how good the business is and how my risk is reduced. And the next thing that I really learned in in this uh, current era is that when every time I want to invest in this company, I ask myself, can I hold this company for 20 years? If I can hold this company for 20 years, right, 
if you got this mindset right then the, every company that you analyze right you'll be very very tight right then the mistake you make will be lesser okay so so there's a thesis on why you want to invest in this company and that's why every time I advocate that people should write down the thesis why you invest in this company because a lot of people they just analyze okay like that they buy but they forgot their initial thesis so if at this moment you look at this company it goes down 50% it goes down 70% you go back to your thesis again do I still invest in this company? Is this still the why that I invest in this company? If the why have changed, my suggestion is that you should clear off the company regardless of the losses and redeploy to something else, right? So that's uh, how I'm doing, how do I sell my company? Yeah. Do we want to contextualize a bit? Like, I, I get it. I don't really like to pick a particular stock to talk about, you know, because that kind of narrows the view, but I just want to see talk about something that you recently sold right that, that you think it's a loser and why do you think that is a loser okay um, so recently I sold because I, I don't think the company is a loser it's just that I transferred to a better company because of this much higher quality let me share uh, let's say one company let's say this company in Singapore called OKP it's a construction company they build the highway uh, they do construction maintenance and you thought it's thought it's a good business uh, they got this certain amount of order books called uh, uh, got about 400 million so these order books is confirmed revenue that they're going to get if they build so so along the way I, I, I analyzed the company based on the order books that they have then someone uh, went to investigate the company and realized that the comp- the order books is is so called the way they recognize is very different from the normal industry recognize okay so so what happened is that uh, the normal construction industry recognize the order book is that uh, every time they complete the project, right, they remove the, the amount from that. But for OKP, the way they recognize is that, let's say I got a 400 million project and I completed 100 million, which is only 50% of the project. I still leave it in the order book until I complete 200 million, then I remove it. Okay. So for me, is I already know that, oh shit, the order book is inflated. Inaccurate. Yeah, it's inaccurate. So I did wrongly. So I, regardless of the losses, I so I remember we we lost about twenty percent. Mm, I yeah. think if you hold mm. it until now, I think your losses is even more, mm. right? So mm. so that's my take on when you should sell when you make a mistake, right? Cool. Compared to your initial thesis of how you actually invest in this company, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The one essentially is a it's a little bit like a one foot in kind of thing, right? Yeah. You already one foot in because of initial thesis, but yeah. as you go along, you realize that oh, these are some things that yeah. I never thought about. Yeah. Because yeah. maybe this sector is very far yeah. away from me, like. Who the hell knows yeah. how to build highways, right? Like, yeah. and and you learn more, and then you decide, okay, yeah. and it it challenges the original idea. Yeah. So then let's let's go. So that's somewhere. why, I, like so I always say, portfolio sizing is very important, mm. right? Because uh, every time you invest in one company, you can never be sure that this company will make money, because along the way you will learn something about the company, right? Nobody is hundred percent sure every time when they invest in the company. It's just that uh, along the way you learn, and if if the company makes mistake and you know it doesn't fit your initial criteria then just cut it off it's not painful because you size it at a certain position that you you are willing to cut right yeah so do you guys feel like everybody should learn how to pick stocks okay I think everybody who who have their finance handled properly should <laughs> learn how to pick stock because if you you are just working you know and you are getting your day day job in, your, your, your day job income and you're not investing in property, you're not investing in stock, then over long years, right, your money will 
you know, lose its value, right? It don't make sense to continue to uh, do nothing and just relying on your your pay because it just lose value over time. So, so if you are someone who already get your personal finance done, you buy the whatever insurance that you're supposed to buy, you're covered your your insurance, and you have your personal finance in case you lose your job, you still have your money down there, and you have excess cash, right? Only the excess cash can be used to invest in the stock market. Uh, then you have the right. That's what I would say. Yeah. I think everyone should learn how to invest. Whether or not it's going to be the stock market or not, it's really up to the individual whether they, they like the stock market. But, you know, you look at it, there, there are not many asset classes in general. I mean, in Singapore, you have property, which is like, you buy your first property, the second property, not many people are going to have the you know, money to afford a second property because it's a big chunk of money, right? When it comes to bonds, uh, sometimes the, 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 the quantum for a single trench is pretty high. Actually, well. bonds are way more complicated. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of people don't realize yeah. it's so complicated. It sounds simple, right? So it sounds it's like, like guarantee. Yeah, guarantee returns, one, right? right? No, but no, man. The trenches no. are so complex the way they yeah. build it. And and when you analyze the, the, the bonds, right, you also have to go analyze the company. Yes. Same so thing. you spend yes. the same <laughs> amount of, yes. of effort. Why don't you, you invest your, in... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. kept your upside. Yeah. yeah. Right? You, you, yeah. you spend the same effort, you kept your upside, and then yeah. actually they're built in tranches, like what yeah. you said, which is so complex for an individual to, yeah, to get the, it. I think the minimum tranche is maybe a quarter million. Something is out of reach for the yeah. regular person. Uh, and then you have gold, which is not really an investment. It's more mm. of a hedging instrument. Yes. Uh, and then you have stocks, mm. right? And then the, then the rest are derivatives in a sense, like mm. futures, options. Are, those, those are not investments. So if I think everyone should invest, but, you know, so where should you invest? So you have all these different places. Yeah, you maybe have your property. You can choose to treat your CPF as a bond, you know, 4% a year and all that. And then if, if not, then you go access cash where you put it. So a lot of times, the best place is probably going to be the stock market. All right. But of course, it doesn't mean you invest in all kinds of stocks. You pick the ones that really suit you and your risk profile and all that. And then you invest based on that. You know, everyone has, very, has different tendencies, has different preferences and all that. Pick, pick the stock that suits you. You don't like stock picking, go with an ETF, you know, an ETF you know, that covers the entire market or a certain sector that you're, that you're, you're confident and bullish about, like, I don't know, tech, the tech sector, the cloud sector, I don't know. But again, you got to still do your due diligence, not just because you buy an ETF is diversified across like 20 stocks, you you don't have to do any research, you know, you still got to do your research. But, you know, you pick something that, that suits you and then you invest and hold for the long term. And then, you know, uh, you want to come out ahead at the end when you retire. Cool. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes you spend too much time in finance <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you neglect your other parts of life? Because sometimes think, I feel that way. Oh, uh, so I was like, oh my God, I keep thinking, thinking. It's like, hey, well, I, I'm probably like maxed out when yeah. it comes to, to this. Like I, I'm at work with Victor and the rest of the, of the guys. We, we talk about business and investing. When I, when I get home, I don't want to think about it. I, <laughs> maybe Victor is different. He, he's like 24-7 yeah, when it comes to I, investing. I also talk to my wife about it. Sleep, <laughs> sleep, drink, rave, investing. Yeah, so... Yeah, I have a certain bandwidth. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm maxed out at work. I get yeah. home, I want to play my video games. I, yeah, I, I want to space out. Yeah. And then to read some more... Mm. I, I mean, for, of course I still do, right? Because mm. you still have to keep, you know, keep in touch with what your portfolio is and, and all that. But if I have... I want to like take my mind away from it so yeah I think uh, you do have to have a certain amount of passion for it and then the amount of time and effort that you can invest in it 
All right, that allows you to you know, invest at a particular level. If you commit more time and effort, you can probably go deeper into what you can invest. If not, then you got to invest in a simpler way that suits you. Yeah, so you don't have to be like Warren Buffett. Mm. You just pick something that really suits your character, your personality. Mm. That's the other thing. Like any other exercise program or diet program, you pick something that works for you. You don't yeah. you don't use something else that was working for somebody else because it might not be the same for you. Yeah. yeah. But for Victor, you can do it day in, day out. Okay, so I just want you guys yeah. to know that Victor is an anomaly. Huh? That's an everyday token invest one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I, yeah. I think going forward, I just want to know like, to sum up today, right? So where where do you guys see the fifth person? I like, think it's pretty much just doing what we're doing. We mm. we are you gonna launch new stuff, new programs. Oh, you mm. never know because when know, it comes you know. to you know um, I, business ideas, things could come up. Mm. You know, so video, but, uh, he gets but, a genius idea somewhere from somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, but at this moment, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but we the, the yeah. I think we're pretty much just gonna do what we've been doing the last five six years. Mm. We want to provide um, very balanced. Uh, insightful factual information on our site so that when people you know the readers go to our site and they spend three to five to ten minutes reading our articles they walk away you know knowing that oh i learned something from that you know and it helps gonna help me make a better uh financial decision for myself you know i don't want to waste anyone's time when they come to our site so we're still gonna gonna do that we're gonna still run our courses we open them you know only during one or two times a year uh, people come in and they really want to come in to you know learn a framework that allows them to direct how they want to invest you know to give them a system that allows them to understand the steps required behind picking a, a good investment for themselves yeah and we'll continue to do that so we just want to carry on doing the good work that we do uh, and do it better do it bigger uh, but who knows what what the you know future can bring when it comes to businesses this is a, such a dynamic area yeah but Things we don't want to fast yeah but we just don't we don't want to lose sight of what we're doing yeah well than what we're doing you know for our, for our readers and our, our subscribers and all that yeah. yeah any last words from you? Mm, just stay invested <laughs> <laughs> this is like yeah. a real investor yeah, yeah. stay invested yeah, guys stay invested. <laughs> eat sleep drink yeah. invest don't time the market just stay invested <laughs> <Yeah>. hashtag Victor <laughs> okay thank you yeah. thanks for your time um, I'm sure everybody learned some stuff and we hope to check in with you guys again thank, yeah. thank, you, thank you thank you so much Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you'd share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building our community of financially savvy coconuts. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, everything is in the description below. If you enjoy our podcast and feel you want to keep us growing, stay independent, do buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. test test um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode we kind of rushed to produce today's episode because um, they were going to publish their course and we got to know them in a short period of time so we want to get their program to you guys because we feel that hey they have a pretty decent program because we ourselves have tried a few different programs and I think um, I think these these guys are legit. They are better, um, step by step. 
curated cool stuff but also I think they've shared a lot of interesting things even just on today's episode and it is um, interesting because some of these points I already have them I already thought about them but to have them share from their perspective which they have kind of thought quite a lot of people right so to me, that is a more objective view, whereas mine is a lot more like anecdotal, personal viewpoint kind of thing. So for them to come on and share the objective view of the challenges involved in stock picking and what are some of the mistakes that their students made, I thought that was good. So check check out you know, the financialcoconut.com slash value to hear more from them. And next week, next week, we're going to talk about this one product that Oh, wow. Many people are uh, talking about it in the past. I'm not too sure if it's still as popular today. But if you talk to your parents or your grandparents, the people in the boomer era or slightly after, uh, they all have some sort of unit trust. I think most people have unit trust. And I didn't really thought that unit trust would be a thing amongst us until we did a live video and someone asked, hey, what about unit trust? How is unit trust going to perform? And then I'm like, oh, okay, then let's talk a little bit about unit trust. So next week, we're going to talk about unit trust. What are some of the ins and outs of unit trust and why I personally do not own any unit trust. So I will see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.